divide into two different books of the Bible. First John, chapter number three, beginning with verse number one, then we'll go to St. John, chapter 14. Amen. I know we're flipping backwards there, but we'll start out in First John, chapter three, then we'll go to St. John, chapter 14. We'll have special prayer around the altar uh, after the message, but I want us to be in prayer for uh, for Sister Charity. Uh, Sister Pam told me that she was in touch with her and said she's had multiple seizures today, just one right after another. And she went to the hospital and they just kind of turned her away and told her she needed to see her neurologist. I thought, and I said, well, I'll be going somewhere else because. Apparently that hospital, not very smart people work there, but uh, I've, I've seen her have some of those seizures, and they, they're bad. So uh, be, be, we're going to pray, have special prayer for uh, for charity, and then also uh, Cortland, uh, one of my granddaughters, is at my house tonight. I took her to the dentist appointment today, and they had to pull one of her jaw teeth, and I left her there at the house tonight with a big swollen jaw, so... Uh, Remember Cortland and just ask God to give her a quick healing in her body. And maybe you have somebody you know that needs prayer tonight. We'll pray for them uh, in our altar service tonight as well. First John chapter number three, beginning with verse number one. Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, he being God, even as he is pure. Amen. And then in St. John, chapter number 14, and beginning with verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I want to preach to you on Jesus will surely come again. Jesus will surely come again. Father, we thank you for the word of God tonight. We ask you, Lord, that you'll just speak to our heart through the scripture, by your spirit, God, you'll minister to our heart. You'll give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. God, and for such a time as this, you've called us and chosen us into the kingdom of God, saints of God that would see the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, as surely as there was a generation that we call the first church that helped break the ground, that helped initiate 
the thrust and the preaching and the advancement of the gospel. There will be a generation that will see this church come to her finality, her completion. She'll be adept and adorned in her wedding garment. I believe that we are that generation. Help us to be ready. God, for the day, for the hour. I know that no man knows that day nor that hour, but we can know that it is near. It is nigh even at the door. I pray that we'll be ready. And oh God, for those that we know that are not, that we will be praying and that we be, our lives will be a witness unto them that they might be saved so that all may hear and all may know that Jesus is indeed our Lord and he's coming soon and very soon. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. You love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. Jesus is surely coming again. And now, I, I thought, Lord, I've preached on the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church, so many times throughout almost 30 years. And I thought any man that hasn't preached on this subject more times than he can count needs to get busy. Because this is the oldest doctrine in the Bible. Jesus is coming again. This doctrine is found from Genesis after the fall of man. You'll bruise his heel, but his heel will bruise your head. Do you know what that message was to the serpent? Jesus is coming. And when he does, you've had it. This is the oldest message in the book. It can be found from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me. And I believe the last thing John said and recorded in all the scriptures, even so come, Lord Jesus. And so he's surely coming again. I, I want to I wanna make mention, make it a note, there is a moral necessity that Jesus comes again. Because the Bible said, if he don't, there'll be no flesh saved. You, you understand man's not getting better and better. Evil men and seducers shall act worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And in making mention of the great tribulation, which I don't count on being here for, by the way, he said, except those days would be shortened, they were, there would be no flesh saved. So there is a moral necessity that Jesus comes. If you don't come, Lord, <laughs> there wouldn't be nobody left to come for. Amen. You say, well, that's pretty disappointing or pretty depressing. Listen, I, I don't, I don't want to come off as being super spiritual. The later it gets, the darker it's getting. But the brighter the church ought to be shining. I said, the later it gets, the darker it's getting, but the brighter the church should be Shining, but it was Jesus himself that said, broad is the gate, or wide is the gate, and 
Broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which enter therein. Straight is the gate, and narrows the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. He said the way of the world was going to be a much more popular way, didn't he? It's going to be a lot of people hating on the Lord in these last days, hating on the church, hating on the nation of Israel. But I want to tell you, them that are looking for Jesus, that leave in that rapture, blessed and holy is he, that hath part of the first resurrection over which the second death hath no power. We're going to thank God a million times over for the day that we got born again. There's going to be nobody regretting being in heaven, I can promise you that. <laughs> We're not going to be hating on anything or anybody in that city. It's going to be all love. It's going to be all joy. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I want, there are three points I want to go over tonight, and I'll try to do so relatively quickly. Number one, is his coming a reality? Number two, how soon will it be? So the first point is, is his coming a surety? The surety of his coming. Number two, the soonness of his coming. And then I'll close out with what will be the result or the consequences that surround his return? Let's look at the, the first reality tonight is the, the surety of his return. The witness of the scripture assures us that Jesus will come again. How do you know Jesus is coming? He said so. That's good enough for me. He said so. Well, how's that good enough? Because he's never lied about anything to anybody. If Jesus said it, count on it. That's anything. If he said he'll save you, he will. If he said he will heal you, he will. If he said he would deliver you, he will. If he said he would baptize you, he will. And if he said he will come again, he will. So we have the surety of his coming by the witness of the scripture. From Matthew all the way through Revelation, one out of every 25 verses make reference to the return of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Through the entirety of your Bible, on average, one out of every 25 verses make reference to the return of Christ. Out of 260 chapters in the New Testament, there is the mention of Christ's return some 318 times. There's more said about the coming of the Lord Jesus than anything stated about any other cardinal doctrine of the faith anywhere in the Bible. The most cardinal doctrine in the book is the surety that Jesus will come again. He said more about that than he did about 
anything else in the whole Bible. There's the mention of his coming in every New Testament book except for uh, Philemon or Philemon and 3 John. If we were to use the same average as the Bible on the number of mentions or the references given throughout the, the, the Bible on the coming of the Lord and we use the same average as the Bible does in our preaching, then that would average out to one out of every six messages preached should be on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be preached often. It should be one of the most well-known facts to our children, to our family, and to every stranger that walks through these doors. It should be one of the most uh, given, well-known facts among believers. <laughs> Those people believe that Jesus is coming. Those people live like Jesus is coming. Those people pray like Jesus is coming. Those people worship God like Jesus is coming. Every song we sang tonight was related to the fact that Jesus is coming. It should bring joy. It should bring peace. It should give you victory. It should be your jubilation. You ought to get shout happy over the fact Jesus is coming. Those people worship like Jesus is coming. Those people give in the offering like Jesus is coming. That's why we give the missions. When this gospel shall be preached as a witness unto him in all the earth, then shall the end come. We actually are hastening the coming of our God by being obedient to the scripture in going, in giving, and in praying. Listen, when we talk about the surety of his coming, we must view it through the witness of the scripture. And I've mentioned how many times the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming. And then if that's not good enough for you, Jesus said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If the Bible's not good enough for you, then hear the, hear the word of the Lord directly out of his mouth. The direct witness of our Savior, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and he was speaking of his body, Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. Did he do it? Did he do it? If he didn't, somebody show me a tomb where his bones are at. And if you could, there'd be a shrine built over the top of it. His bones would be in a looking glass. And they would be the most viewed bones in the whole world. And if somebody could find his bones, they would be the richest man in the whole world. But they can't because he's not in a tomb. He was in one for three days, but he ain't in one now. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. Did he do it? He did. He also said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
50 days after Calvary was the day of Pentecost. That is the birthday of the church. And from that day until present day, he has held good to the promise, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If the devil could have extinguished the fire and the flame of Pentecost and put the church out of business, he would have done it 2,000 years ago. If you don't know that hell, if he could eradicate the church, there would be no church. If he had to use a, a communist, a evil, demon-possessed dictator to do it, uh, he would do it. Uh, but not even evil, demon-possessed, communist dictators uh, can stamp out the church. Uh, fire can't burn it out. Uh, floods can't drown it. Uh, I want to tell you, no weapon ever formed against this church uh, has been allowed to prosper. And there is a church some 2,000 years later. There's a church somewhere, everywhere that's loving him, calling on him, preaching about him, praying unto him, and filled with him. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I will build my church. Didn't he do it? Ain't he still doing it? And then he said, I will come again. Well, if he said he was going to die and be raised again the third day and he did it, if he said, I'm going to build my church and hell ain't ever going to be able to do anything with it, uh, and that happened, uh, and then he said, I'm coming again, that where I am there, you may be also, you better believe him. You better believe him. And then you've got, if you need to, he said two or three witnesses. If you need three, then you've got the witness of the saints. The Bible says that we, you and I, are begotten again unto a lively hope. Begotten means born, birthed. We are birthed unto a lively hope. The word lively there means a the hope of a resurrection. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. On that resurrection morning. Yeah. When all the dead in Christ shall rise. Thank you, Lord. I'll have a new body. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I'll have a new life. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. Ready to live in paradise. Yeah. Woo. Hallelujah. That's going to be a reality. The word of God says that we are begotten unto a lively hope. That is our testimony. Resurrection power and resurrection life abide in me. Something in me is looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Paul said, if in this life only I had hope in Christ, I would be miserable, and Christians ain't miserable. Christians are hope-filled people, faith-filled people, joy-filled people. Hallelujah to God. We're on our way to the city. We're happy about it. Listen, he says, he that hath this hope in him, 
purifieth himself even as he is pure. What hope is that? The hope of the soon return of Jesus Christ. Brethren, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. What's that going to feel like? What's that going to look like? What's that going to be like? I don't know. But I know the Bible said that death is going to be swallowed up in victory. The Bible said this mortal man. Mortal means uh, something with a begin, beginning and something with an ending. This life uh, is like a vapor. It appears for a short time and poof, uh, like a vapor, it vanishes and it's gone. That's mortality. Oh, this mortal man is going to put on immortality. Something that had no end and some, or something that had no beginning and something that has no end. Oh, my mortality is going to be swallowed up by immortality. How? I'm going to be made like him. I'm going to be made like the ancient of days. I'm going to be made to be like God. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you know if the devil could have killed God? He would have. But the Bible said they put him in a tomb. Jesus was the word made flesh, the only begotten of the Father. Oh, yes, sir. If he could have killed him, he would have. But it was impossible that the grave could hold him. Three days, he arose. He arose. He, he arose the first fruits of the grave, the first fruits of eternal life. Meaning he gave eternal life to every man who would ever come after him. Meaning we won't ever die. Hallelujah. We won't ever die. He, uh, he that hath this hope and this hope that Jesus is coming again, purify himself. It's a purifying hope. If you believe Jesus could come tonight uh, and blessed and holy is he that hath part in the resurrection, meaning you got to be holy in order to go, then you're going to be holy as God is holy. You're going to live right uh, if you really believe Jesus is coming. Somebody said, we don't preach a rapture because all that does is scare people. I said, well, buddy, the only people I know that are scared of the rapture is the ones that ain't going. I think you ought to preach a rapture every now and again to cheer folk up. Thank God we ain't got much longer to put up with these heathens down here. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Somebody said, cheer up. It's going to get worse. We ain't going to have to put up with these heathens being in charge for much longer. I ain't going to have to worry about voting some infidel out of office for much longer. Jesus wasn't elected. He wasn't elected. He reigns victorious. He won the victory. Oh yeah. Ain't nobody elect him and ain't nobody gonna unelect him. He's on the throne, the Bible says. Hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigns. He's sitting on the throne tonight and there ain't a devil big enough to dethrone him. Thank you, Lord. 
Bible said, which hope is an anchor of the soul. That's the reason why I ain't quitting. I have no plan of giving up, retreating, or surrendering. Amen. I'm too close to the finish line. Jesus is almost here. You know, that early church, they greeted one another. They believed it so completely, so thoroughly. They greeted and departed with the same word. We, we greet with high. We depart with bye. They greeted with Maranatha, and they departed with Maranatha. What's that mean? Lord's coming. Oh, Brother Larry Nell, he says that. He's been saying that ever since I've known him. First time I ever laid eyes on him. Then the airport, I'm walking up. I got my Bible, my iPad. He sees me walking up. He said, you must be Brother Solomon. I said, I am. He said, Lord's coming. Yeah. Just hollered him across the airport. I said, he sure is, Brother he dropped you off at the airport. He hugged your neck. A tear rolled down his face. Brother Solomon, Lord's coming. Meaning we don't see each other again. Let that be the thing that keeps you ready. Jesus is coming. Amen. That says a whole lot, don't it? We'll make it to this second point. Talk about the surety of his coming. He is coming. The soonness. Of his coming. When is the Lord coming? How soon will it be until he comes? Has to be soon. The three beholds of the last chapter of the Bible in Revelation. Behold, I come quickly. Amen. He said, and again, behold, I come quickly. And then he said it one more time. Behold, I come quickly. That's three times in the last chapter of the Bible. Right. He's not stuttering. Right. He's emphasizing. He's repetition is emphasis in the Bible. It means if you don't hear nothing else I'm saying, hear this. Right. Some advertisements, however many seconds they advertise, Whatever they want you to remember, they say it about five times within 30 seconds. Because that's what you're going to remember. If, it's a, if they got to get you to remember it in a song, they'll sing that, the theme of that song three or four or five times. And you remember it. You remember it for a long time. I was a little boy. Wendy's had a commercial with three old women in it. They had always... Flip the bun up and say, where's the beef? <laughs> I remember that from a boy. Where's the beef? They ain't used that slogan in a long time. But when, when the Lord says something over and over and over and he emphasizes, 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 he's trying to get you to remember that. So that years from now, you might be a boy like I was then. Years from now, when you're gray-headed like I am right now, that you'll remember, he's coming. He's coming. And he's coming soon. You say, well, well, soon, you just 
bore witness to you was a boy and now you're old and he still hasn't come. You realize that over the span of three or, or 2,000 years, I've been on the earth for 52 years. And Bible prophecy is happening so fast right now, it's a blur. It's making my head spin the number of things that are happening to say to us Jesus is about to come. You think in our lifetime, when I was a boy in the 70s, you think of what morality was in America from 1971 until 2023. The morals have went in the tank. When I was a boy growing up in school, if you was a sissy, you'd get beat up. If you was a boy and liked another boy, you better not tell it. Not coming from small town Alabama. You'd be toting a black eye, a fat lip. And somebody said, well, that's mean. I'm telling you the morality wouldn't allow it. Now, it's the popular thing. It's popular to be that, to proclaim that. It's celebrated. You're thought to be abnormal or weird if you are not that. Teenagers are said to experiment to find out which they prefer or what they like better. I said, well, God put that preference in me when I was born. And I ain't no experiments happening here. God gave every man a knuckle sandwich. That's about all I'm going to say about that. Woo, <laughs> hallelujah. I better move on. I done went there. That ain't, that ain't anointing, but I believe it's true. It's true. <laughs> Has to be soon. He said it three times in the last chapter. Behold, I come quickly, and I believe it. And you say, well, you, you was a boy, and you're an old man now, and he still ain't came. I'm telling you, it's happening so fast to say to me, he's coming. I'm like, it's got to be any day now. Listen, if you rewind the clock back to 2020, and they shut every church in the world down, locked us up in our house for two or three months, you couldn't go, you, you could go nearby anywhere but church. Lowe's never closed. Walmart never closed. But the church had to close. And that bothered me. I, I'm telling y'all, I wasn't okay with it. I was like, how are we not in revolt? How are we, how are we letting this be okay? I prayed many, many days. About all we had to do was pray. I mean, there wasn't nowhere to go. <laughs> you didn't have much to do. All we had to do was pray. I mean, I was doing Sunday morning, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. Because every couple of days, I, 
I wanted the church to be hearing something from God. Wanted to be encouraging them. The church ain't done. God ain't through. This ain't over. But God certainly spoke to me during that time. And he said, what you are witnessing is the turning of a page in the heavens. You, you, you've left that former chapter behind. And it's like opening a new chapter. Something new is about to happen. Something different is taking place. And what God said to me, you're going to see the spirit of the Antichrist prep this world from this day forward until the trumpet of God sounds. The spirit of Antichrist is going to prep this world for the man of sin. And what God said to me is you better prep my people for the coming of the Lord. I thought from the election in 2020 to COVID, it, I saw things that I never dreamed you could ever you could ever see happen. Right. I've watched our nation slide down a moral abyss. I'm witnessing the whole world hate Israel's guts for what? For defending themselves. Right. I want to tell you, you come and mess with my wife and my kids, try to set them on fire and burn them up and cut their heads off and try to kill them. You want to stir me up? Do that. <laughs> but we hate Israel. The world hates Israel for defending themselves. Nobody said nothing to America when the towers fell and we flew halfway around the world bombed every cave that we thought they might hide in we, we, we made a public display of the tracking down Osama Bin Laden we made a public display of, of, of tracking down and dethroning Iraq's well known president he ain't with us no more. Nobody stopped us from doing it. But the whole world's chiming in with is why Israel? Because that's where that's what it's all about for Satan. God has this world stirred up. The end is upon us. When's he coming soon? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you can't get much quicker than that. Ain't gonna be no time to pray through. You got to do that now. You don't know the day nor the hour. Jesus could come before we get up to go to work tomorrow. Jesus could come actually before I can give this altar call. Ain't gonna be no time to pray through. If I wasn't saved, I'd already be praying. Last, what will be the result and consequence of his of his Sure and soon return. Three classes of people are all going to be affected at the same time. Believers are going to experience unspeakable satisfaction, perfection, completion, untold blessing and joy. Backsliders, it's going to be a day of untold shame, misery, and the reality of I blew it. 
and I wasted my life. And in unbelievers, the Bible said, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Well, the sinner is a backslider. A sinner is somebody who knew right but wouldn't do it. And the ungodly are people that just didn't want no part of God, ain't interested in hearing no preaching, reading no Bible, want nobody to talk to them about holiness, godliness, righteousness. Where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Well, the Bible tells us where they'll appear. Hell. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torment. I told you, Kirsten, if you come help me. I had that good prayer meeting, me and the Lord, Monday night. Man, the Holy Ghost in prayed through me, interceded through me like he hadn't in a long time. Thank you. When I finally did go to bed, you may think this strange. This don't happen to me all the time, but I was so sensitive to the Lord. When I closed my eyes, I, I was so full of the Holy Ghost. I, it, it's almost like I could hear the lost, the unsaved, the ungodly sinners screaming and crying uncontrollably. God said that I, that's what I hear every second of eternity for everybody that goes to hell. That's what I hear. Kicking, screaming, crying, uncontrolled. And he said, if you are walking with me, in touch with me, and in tune with me, I'm going to let you see what I see and hear what I hear. You're the only chance they've got of going to heaven. The church is the light of the world. The church is the salt of the earth. Preach the word. You don't pray for them, they're going to be lost. You don't witness to them, they're going to be lost. If we don't live this light in front of them, they're going to be lost. talk about lost. Real Dave and I got them grandbabies around, around me. The youngest of them, three years old. We watched watch Hudson Monday. I'm telling you, if you go to Caitlin's house and they, they just put in a, a an in-the-ground swimming pool, scares me slap to death. Why? Because Cutler, they live out in the country and since the He's been old enough to walk. It's just his habit. He's going to open the door and run all around out in, the, out in that yard. I can talk to Caitlin on video call. I hear that door. Beep, 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 beep. He's in and out. I say, where's that baby at? She's like, oh, I forgot. We got a pool now. I said, you better get out there and get that baby. It don't take 30 seconds. He'd be gone. I've I had him 
last time I went over there. We're in the living room. Everybody's gone. I'm watching Cuddy. He's three. Cutler. I call him Cuddy. I'm watching Cuddy. And I said, Cuddy, you stay right there. Poppy's got to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. He went to the bedroom. I come back in. He was gone. I hollered, screamed, run to every room. Well, he heard me. He, he runs to hide from me all the time. This is a game with He run and hid. I busted out the front door like a chicken with my head cut off. First thing I did was run around and look in the pool. I'm screaming. My heart's about to beat through my chest. I'm trying not to cry and panic. Cuddy, Cuddy. I'm running around the backyard and I'm, I'm thinking, please, God, please don't let him be in that pool. Please don't let him be in that pool. He wasn't there. I run back in. I screamed. I said, Cuddy, you better answer me right now, boy. I'm going to tear you up. He said, I'm in here, Poppy. That's what lost is. Lost. You got loved ones. They lost. What do you need to do? You don't need to be panicking. But you need to be doing everything in your power to make sure they ain't lost when the rapture takes place. Not calling on their name, but calling on his name. Lord, it can't be that my family's all going to go to hell and I'm going to go to heaven. That can't be right. I need you to help me to reach them. I can't live with the fact that I made it and they didn't. I've got to do something about it. Got to do something about it. Oh, God, with this Sunday morning, Sunday night, with this week of camp meeting, oh, God, wouldn't this be a wonderful time to see them come home? I'm going to do everything in my power. God, to give you every opportunity to win them and reach them. So I'm going to call on their name like I never had before. God, I'm going to stir up my spirit like I believe the rapture is going to happen at any moment if they're not ready and that they truly are lost. Y'all remember Dad? Corey and, Har uh, Corey and Kirsten right over there before Huddy was ever born, Harper. He's about that. She's probably about three at the time, what little old bitty thing. And uh, she's bad to go out the door on, on her own, walk right across the yard, go to Nene's house. Kirsten was at work. Corey's at home. He turned his back. Harper's gone. She ain't in the house. He called my mom, hey, is Harper over there? No Harper ain't here. Don't you have Harper? Oh. Mama panicked. Daddy panicked. Kirsten panicked. Corey panicked. I'm glad they didn't get a hold of me because I would have been next on the list to panic. 
Everybody's panicked. Somehow, somehow, <coughs> that baby walked down them steps and came to the back door of this church and got that back door open of that church and walked in. And she wasn't tall enough to push that panic bar to get back out when that door shut back. It shut her in the church. It's dark, no lights on. And the door shut behind. She thought Nene was in the church. She shut up in the fellowship hall. Mom and Dad and Corey's running. They're making laps all over the churchyard, screaming, crying, panicking. And Mom faintly heard Harper was at the door crying. She said, I hear her somewhere. And they all got quiet. And they could hear her just on the other side of the door crying. And Mom opened the door and she was there in the dark. And she was, had cried herself nearly out, sniffling, crying. Man, there ain't no feeling like somebody you know and somebody you love being lost. And thinking, I've lost them. I ain't, I ain't gonna get them back. I ain't gonna see them again. They're lost. That's what lost is. They go to hell, they're lost. If they die without Jesus, they are lost. Won't ever be another smile, another hug, another greeting. One of the joys of heavens, I know where they at. They ain't lost. I'm going to be with them again. I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been concerned, it's time to be concerned. If you've ever got a bird to pray, you better get a bird to pray right now. Because they're lost. We ain't got much time. Jesus is coming. Amen. Would you meet me in this altar and let's thank God that we're ready, but let's pray for somebody that's not. Let's pray for God to anoint us to reach a world that's not. A world that's lost. If there's ever been reason for me to preach, I got me a reason to preach tonight. This world's lost, desperately lost. Oh, God, they need somebody to shine the light, somebody to tell them the truth, somebody to remind them Jesus is coming. He's coming soon, sooner than what we can think. He's coming. Help us, Lord, to be ready. Help us, Lord, to do all that we can do so that others will be ready. Hallelujah.